Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Today's episode of the All Angels Podcast is brought to you by SportsDrink, your digital water cooler. SportsDrink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They are here to help us grow and hate your favorite team. A rising tide floats all boats, so go check them out online and on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. Spelled like sports drink without the vowels. Oh, got it, got it, got it! 33! Center field, Marsh leaps, and he got it! It normally. High fly ball, deep left field. Oh, 27. Does it again. For this year. Wall sends it well out to left center field. And it's gone. He went to Jared. Way This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels baseball. You listen to All Angels Podcasts. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Garcia. So obviously this podcast is probably going to be a little shorter just because the Angels only play two games against the Texas Rangers. And unfortunately, they were not able to do what the Rangers did to them, and that is sweep them on their home turf. Granted, it's only a two-game series, so even a two-game sweep would have been small, but it still would have been nice to kind of hold that over them just like they did when they were in Texas. Like I mentioned, they didn't sweep them, but they were able to get the very first game of the series. And so let's start start by talking about that. Noah Syndergaard took the mound, and if you remember what I said last time on the podcast when I was kind of previewing this series, I expected Noah Syndergaard to come out like he just had a terrible outing against the Texas Rangers with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, with a little bit of an extra motivation, and that is exactly what happened. Noah Syndergaard was awesome this game. Again, you can tell when he's on, when he's gained the ground balls. He's not the strikeout guy he nor- he used to be when he was with the uh, New York Mets, but he is still able to get you a handful of strikeouts. This time he got five strikeouts. Other games he's gotten seven or eight strikeouts. I just don't expect him to get like the 12, 13 strikeout game he did when he was with the Mets. But he's still very, very functional. Very, very, uh, when he's on, he is very meticulous about where how his pitches work and his location and all that stuff. And all of that was working Monday night. His defense... Like at any time a pitcher has a good outing, you can always depend on a couple of defensive plays to help that pitcher. And Brandon Marsh, a guy that has been on this podcast, and if you have, and I've said this before, if you've been listening to this podcast since pretty much the beginning of the what what it is now, when it was me and Johnny Mags and we became to you 
weekly and even sometimes twice a week like we do now. But if you've been listening to us since then, you know Brandon Marsh's story. You've seen him on the podcast. You heard him on the podcast. You've heard from him since he was in Single A Inland Empire with us there doing interviews on the field. And now he is able to make these defensive plays in the outfield that he's been making his whole career. And it's great to see it now in an angel uniform. And that's exactly what he did when he robbed a home run in the fourth inning to keep it 0-0. It's a fly ball, left field. Brandon Marsh going back on it. He has room. Jumps up, and he makes the catch. Noah Syndergaard's like, did you? He's like, oh, yes, I did. And in the bottom of that very inning, Luis Renjifo comes up with a man on third and is able to produce a run with an out. So, it's not always the long ball. It's not always the double off the wall or stuff like that. There, This team does produce in the quote-unquote small ball way. And this is exactly what Rondifo does right here. Does it get over the head? It does not. Low throws home, but Walsh beats it. That's going to be an RBI for Rondifo. The very next batter is Brandon Marsh, and he's able to Put a little extra pressure with his speed. Obviously, he uses that speed to cover a ton of ground in the outfield, but he's also a very big weapon on the base pass. So when he's able to put the ball in play at any point, he forces the defense to hurry and possibly make a mistake just like on this play. One out. Here's Marsh swinging, and he bounces the ball softly on the left side. The throw to first. Pops off the glove of the first baseman. Now Duffy breaks for the plate. No throw there, and he scores. It's 2-0 Angels. And that would make the score 2-0 Anaheim. So only two batters later. And this is what's great to see is that it is kind of hit here, hit here. You know, it's not all one guy get on base, home run, okay, and then the next couple guys get out. Like, it's it's nice to see them put three, four, five hits in a row to produce runs. I don't know if that's something necessarily that you can depend on a lot because it is hard to put – hits back to back to back like that but it's very nice to see it and it's like the the saying hitting is contagious and it just seems like angels do have times where it is contagious and this team can go on a roll just like in this fourth inning so with brandon marsh on third base tyler wade comes up and again another guy that uses his speed very very well and puts an absolute perfect bunt down oh that's a nice bunt right there Great call, great speed. Oh, Dunning just spikes it into the ground. Marsh scores. Andrew Velasquez would add another run with a sacrifice fly that scored Max Stassi to make the score 4-0 after that huge fourth inning. Now going to the bottom of the fifth, the Angels put up one more insurance run with this Jared Walsh home run. That one's driven to right field. That one's crushed and it is gone. Jared Walsh over the line. You better believe it. Solo shot, 5-0 Angel. And that would make the score 5-0. Obviously, that would be all the Angels need with the pitching of Noah Syndergaard. Again, like I mentioned before, he was on an absolute tear, absolute uh I think, honestly, one of the best games he's pitched for the Angels. He did it all different ways. Strikeout, putting the ball in play, even when he's making great defensive plays himself. Whoa! What a play! Over to second to first! He got him! Wow! Noah would end up going 
eight innings, four hits, only giving up one run, striking out five, and that one run coming off of home run. Kind of interesting to see that the that Madden didn't give him an opportunity to come out in the ninth. I thought, honestly, he was going to, seeing that he was only at 93 pitches. I figured perhaps you give him an opportunity to come out, almost like you did with Lorenzen, and say, okay, we'll, we'll start you out, and then if someone gets on, whether it's a hit, a walk, or anything like that, then go to the bullpen. But you had to have a feeling that the Angels were going to be comfortable at this point. Um, you had a 5-1 to one lead. You're hoping, okay, you should be able to bring in anybody from the bullpen to get out of this game so you don't have to use the higher leverage guys. And so they brought in Aaron Loop, which you would think is a higher leverage guy, but with his struggles, I can understand why Joe would bring him in at this point to get his confidence back and get him kind of in a certain flow of the game. But unfortunately, that's not what happened. In the top of the ninth, he would only go, Loop would only go two of a th- two-thirds of an inning, giving up one hit, two runs, one walk, and one strikeout, giving up a home run to Cole Calhoun, the Angels' newest killer. Uh, just seems like anytime he's now playing the Angels for Texas Rangers, he has been able to really put it to the Angels. Uh, again, after he left the Angels, he went to Arizona for a little bit, so you didn't necessarily see him at all, so it was okay. But now that he's in the division, he seems to have a habit of hurting the Angels, not only in this game Monday, but obviously also in the game Tuesday. But they would end up using Rossell Iglesias to close out this game for a third of an a third of an inning. He gives up one hit, which I kind of thought was going to be ruled in error. It was a line drive right to uh, Taylor Wade, who I've said on uh, numerous times on Twitter, he is not an outfielder, and I do not understand why Joe continues to put him out there. There, I feel like there is going to be a time where it absolutely burns Joe. Luckily, it didn't cost the Angel the, the game this time. He made a diving catch, which honestly was was a pretty good diving catch, but it popped in and out of his glove. And I think if there wasn't any other outfielder uh, there, would have been an out and would not have to worry about throwing extra pitches for Rossell Iglesias. Um, you know, you saw the game on Sunday losing the ball in the lights. There was a game on Tuesday where it looked it was a pop fly. Granted, it was a high pop fly, but luckily. Renhefa was there to get the pop fly because it was very obvious when you watched the replay that uh, Wade didn't have any idea where that ball was. I'm I'm wondering how many times Madden's willing to roll the dice on Wade waiting for Ward to come back from injury. Ward did not play the outfield at all in these two games, even though in both games it was said that he was able to pitch hit off the bench and the only reason he wasn't playing the field was that his throwing arm was still kind of tender. There still was not able to throw at full, full force. And I guess if, you know, obviously if there's a play at the plate where you have to try to get someone gun, someone down a second, third or home or something like that, obviously you want to have your best arm out there, but obviously he was not able to play the field at all this series, but avail. But I guess the bright side is that he was available to hit, and any kind of pitch hitting duty. But going back to the game on Monday, Noah Syndergaard had, uh, again, I think his best outing as an angel, bringing his record now to two, uh, to four and two ERH slightly above three with 
0-8. Iglesias picks up his 11th save of the year. And I guess the good thing is that it was only an, a third of an inning for him out. So if they did need him on the Tuesday game, I guess he would be available, but that would bring in his availability for the Toronto beginning of the Toronto series in question. So Angels pick up a victory, pick up the first game of the two-game set against the Texas Rangers. Now going to Sunday, hoping to win this series, but we're unable to on Tuesday's game. And we'll talk about that. So Reed Detmers is on the mound. One thing that I was really hoping for, and it wasn't a terrible outing. I will say this. Obviously, when you throw a no-hitter, you kind of are now feel, or fans feel now you are in that upper echelon of pitchers throwing a no-hitter. I did say this, though. I think Reed is still going to have development woes. I still think he's going to have games that are look great and even probably sequences that look like, wow, this guy uh, can throw a no-hitter at any point. But then there are times like, like on Tuesday where I don't necessarily think it was a horrible outing. I don't necessarily think it was a great outing either. But the Rangers would get up early in the top of the very first inning when they were able to get a sack fly by Mitch Garver for to let Marcus Simeon score uh, to bring the game to 1-0. But in the bottom of the first, the Angels would end up tying the game when Anthony Rendon singles on a line drive to left field where Shohei Otani scores. And if you watch the game, it was kind of in question a little bit. Uh, he was tripping over his feet. I was worried that he was going to get thrown out, but luckily he was able to get home to tie up the game 1-0. And it seemed like at that point, Reed kind of settled down a little bit. He was able to start finding his command, and I think that's a big part of pitching on, you know, just pitching in general is trying to find that rhythm, trying to find that grip, trying to find uh, what's working that day. So the fact that he was able to limit damage in the first inning to only one run, I think was a very good sign. He would hold the Texas Rangers to zero runs all the way until the fourth inning where he got into a little bit of trouble. The fourth inning led off with Mitch Garver hitting his sixth home run of the year, giving Texas a 2-0 lead. After that, Jonah Heim, again, another angel killer, it seems like, especially this season, walks after a strikeout and a stolen base by Jonah Heim. Cole Calhoun, again, angel killer. Um, I don't know. It, it just seems like he is on a redemption tour of his own. We talk about Mike Trout and his redemption tour coming back from injury last year. It just seems like with Cole in the AL West this season, he is on that same kind of redemption tour. He ends up getting that home run. A two-run home run makes the score 4-1. to one, Seventh home run of the year. And it wasn't necessarily a huge bomb. It wasn't necessarily one of those no-doubters. It was a, uh, a home run that snuck over that right field fence just around the foul pole. But nonetheless, it got out. And again, making the score 4-0 after 4. The Angels would continue to struggle scoring runs all the way to late in the game. Reed Detmers, on the other hand, seemed to settle down after that Cole Calhoun home run. He was able to get uh, put outs back-to-back together, but was only able to get into the seventh inning, start the seventh inning, but was not able to record an out in that seventh inning because when he came up, Cole Calhoun again, top of seven, 
first guy up ends up singling a line drive. That was the night for uh, Reed Detmers. His final line was six innings pitched, five hits, five earned runs, one walk, three strikeouts. Mike Myers would come in after Detmers. And this is where, like, if you look at stats a little bit, Myers went two innings, giving up five hits, two earned runs, and ended up walking one. But one of those runs that was credited or, or put on Detmers was an inherent runner, Cole Calhoun, that Mike Myers allowed to come in. So I guess you can kind of put three runs on Myers, but just the way the, the rule works. And I was very surprised at that point that they brought Myers in to um, hold the deficit to where it was at. Because at the time, when you look at it, it wasn't necessarily out of range. It, it was still four to one. So, yes, three run difference. But you had a feeling that with this offense and the Rangers bullpen struggling at times that you could have very easily mounted a comeback. I mean, we've seen the Angels come back from worse against better teams. The fact that they use Myers there where Bradley and Tapera and even Ortega, you know, the the good thing about Noah Syndergaard going so deep and on Mon- on Tuesday's game and having an off day on Monday was the fact that you would have to think besides Loop and Iglesias, your whole bullpen is available to pitch that inning to try to hold the the deficit where it was at. But Myers comes in. I personally thought they might have gone to someone like an Archie Bradley that they end up using after Myers for a couple reasons. A, he hasn't really he hasn't been in a major league game yet. He yes, he was activated for Tuesday's game, but he didn't get in. So down a little bit, not necessarily what you would call a high leverage situation, even though he's a high leverage guy. Why not put him in there at that point to hold the lead and get his feet wet. If, if something bad happens with Bradley, you're already down, but he needs to get in. And I'm guessing I would be guessing that the best point to kind of bring him back into the fold would be in a situation where you're only down three and he can hold it there and uh, let your team try to make a comeback. But they went Myers. He went two innings, gave up two runs. And like I mentioned right after that in the bottom of the, or the top of the ninth, they do bring in Bradley, and he had a really good inning going one, two, three with a strikeout. I thought they would have brought him in up a little bit early to kind of hopefully score uh, or hold the score where it was so the Angels can score more runs. Angels would end up adding one more run in the bottom of the ninth, but obviously that was not enough as the Texas Rangers take the, the win 7-2 to two, and split the short two-game series with the Angels out in Anaheim. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the Rangers for a while. It feels like that's the only team with them and the A's are the only teams they the Angels have been playing for the last like three weeks. It just seems like every time you you flip the week over, there's a game with either Texas or, or Oakland in it for the past month and a half. So I think I'll be happy to kind of put them in the rearview mirror a little bit. And obviously we'll see them later down the line as the Angels and Rangers will play a ton because they are in the division. Uh, You know, it it sucks for this game. My initial thoughts after watching the Tuesday or the Wednesday game is offense is very, is very, you know, hot and cold. It just seems like there's not a lot of ebbs and flows. There is a lot of ebbs and flows to this offense. Um, 
it's scary to think that an offense that can score, you know, 10 runs in one game can also be held to two runs in whatever it was today in six hits or, you know, there's been times where it's been like one run and four hits after having a great offensive explosion. So I don't know, maybe putting Ward back into the lineup will help a lot. Uh, spark something. I know it will help definitely help defensively. I'm just waiting for an, an outfield problem to arise to where the defense and the score ends up giving up runs. And that's one thing about this team that has been, very refreshing this year you feel like the defense has kept this game kept this team in a lot of games with their outstanding play you know Velasquez uh, Walsh uh, Rendon and even at times Renjifo has shown glimpses of being a really good defensive player yeah he's still kind of rough around the edges if you will but there has been definitely times where you've seen him uh, make a good defensive play whether it's a turn for a, for a double play or getting a uh, a bad throw and able to turn it into something so I think this team is very well off again it's one game would you have liked to beat Texas yes but at the same time I'm not really worried about this Texas is a good team they do have a really good offense I wouldn't say to the caliber of the Angels necessarily but I do think this offense has pop potential where they can pop for like on Wednesday, seven uh, seven runs, or on certain days, you know, ten runs. Maybe not as frequently as the Angels for sure, but I think it's definitely in in them. And I think they're going to be a team that down the line, if you play them late in the season, you're not going to want to. You're not going to want to. You're going to rather have you know play Oakland or I don't know, maybe play Seattle. You'd rather play Seattle because Seattle's really having a rough time of it right now in the division. So. Obviously not what Angels fans wanted with the split against Texas, but now comes uh, the Toronto Blue Jays into Anaheim for a four-game series. The pitching matchup should be really interesting and fun to see, and we'll talk about what those pitching matchups are right after this. Let me talk about our next sponsor, ColorCast. ColorCast is a live, audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and free to use. Talk to fans, athletes, and interact in real time, perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS app store. Create a profile and link your Twitter. That's all. Come with your spectacular takes. So like I mentioned right before we took that commercial break, the Toronto Blue Jays are heading into Angel Stadium with a 23-20 and 20 record. And these pitching matchups are going to be a lot of fun to watch. And Toronto has had problems offensively this year. And that is very surprising because if you know who's on their, um, who's in their lineup, you would think it would be one of the top offensive teams in the division but right now with the way it looks at it you have both Guerrero and Springer tied with eight home runs for the team lead Springer is also the team leader in RBIs Bo Bichette leads the team in stolen bases and probably one of their better pitchers on the mound ERA wise is Alex Manoa and you will see him during the week at Angel Stadium but first Thursday you have a matchup against Hunjin Ryu, who it looks like looking at his stats, he's only played pitched one game so far this year. He is or he pitched in four games so far this year, sorry, with a one 
2.0 record with his ERA up at six. Even though he's pitched only, even though he's pitched four games, he's, he's only pitched 18 innings. So, to me, that me to me, I see that without watching Toronto pitch at all or play at all, I'm thinking there's a possibility of getting to him early. You get to him early, you force the Blue Jays to make a move right away. And I've always liked it when. If you start a long series, like a four-game series, if you're able to get to that bullpen early in the series, that kind of sends the tone because now that other team is scrambling to try to balance their bullpen, who's who's available, who's not. And if you can get to that bullpen in the very first game, that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the series. And on the mound for the Angels is Shohei Otani um, making another appearance, making his Eighth start of the year. Right now he is three and two with a two point eight two ERA. So obviously having a great year so far pitching. You just have to hope that he is able to get some offensive production um, this time when he's on the mound. And hopefully that also means uh, Taylor Ward is back in the lineup, back in right field, and is able to help this team offensively. That offensively that has been struggling for a little while so now let's go to friday night's game where you have like i mentioned alex manoa uh, this guy has been an absolute stud right now for the uh, toronto blue jays he has a 5-1 record with a 1.62 era again this game is going to be really tough this guy is a really good pitcher and again same thing you let him get comfortable after the first couple of innings it's going to be a long night for for the Angels and a long night for that offense. On the Angel side of the bump, it's going to be Chase Silseth making his third start as an Angel, third start in his career. Right now, he's sitting at a 1-1 one one record with a 2.61 ERA. Not bad at all, but will definitely have his have his biggest test, I think, of the year going against this Toronto lineup and also the idea of you know Alec Manoa being on the on the other side of 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 him knowing that if he gives up one or two runs, that might be all that he needs to hold on to that, hold on to that game and hold on to that victory. So might have a little pressure on the rookie there. Saturday, we go to um, seven o'clock game. Oh, two on Friday. If you were unaware that Friday game will be on uh, Apple plus last time they were on Apple plus I was actually at the stadium. So I did not, I was not able to watch how the presentation was and how all that stuff was for Apple Plus. I heard very mixed reviews about the commentators and how this looked on TV. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how it's how it is on Friday. I'm sure at some point I'll miss uh, Gooby and the guys in the booth with Patrick O'Neill and all that stuff. But interested to see how Apple TV does it for Friday night. So. Now going to Saturday. Saturday is a little bit later of a start, 7 o'clock start. You got Michael Lorenzen versus uh, a guy that the Angels have seen plenty, and that's uh, Yusei Kikuchi. If you remember, he was with the Seattle Mariners for the first part of his career. He is 2-1 with a 3.47 ERA. Michael Lorenzen coming into this game, 5-2 with a 3.05 ERA. So Michael Lorenzen has put two to two back-to-back games together that have been very very good and i think again i like a lot of these games they have a very good potential of being quick pitching duels you know one to two two to three two to zero type of games that 
pitching is going to be a huge factor in this game. Great to have Archie Bradley back because of that. We'll see what uh, Jose Quijada, I see when he comes back. I believe he pitched Tuesday night with Inland Empire at Lake Elsinore. So hopefully that means he's close to being back with the team. He was either, he pitched Tuesday. Yeah, I think he pitched Tuesday night with the guys. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but again, it, this this whole series is going to be a very pitching heavy series. I truly believe it. I don't believe that the scores are going to be out of control. I don't think a team is going to put up eight, nine runs if if the pitchers are on. And that's for either team. I think the Blue Jays have a very good pitching staff. And I think the Angels are proving that they have a very good pitching staff. Probably one of the better ones in the AL. Sunday afternoon getaway day. You're going to have... Uh, Jose Barrios for the Blue Jays. Again, a guy that they picked up last year to help him with the late inning push. Uh, I believe he was with the Twins before that. A very good pitcher that a lot of guys, a lot of fans wanted him as an angel last year around the trade deadline. He is coming into this game with a 3-2 and two record. A, four point, a 4.75 ERA isn't great, but he always does have shutdown stuff and he is facing Patrick Sandoval with a three and one record with 1.79 ERA. Patrick has been absolutely great this year. I believe he had one, I wouldn't even say bad outing, just average, maybe a little bit below average outing. But other than that, he has been a very, very good pitcher for the angels and probably if not the best pitcher for the angels this year, second by far. So like I mentioned, I think this series is going to be a huge pitching battle all four games. Honestly, I, I hope the Angels are able to get two out of it. I think realistically they can get two out of it. If they're able to take three or even four from this series, I think that's going to be a huge statement about what this team is and how well this team plays. Toronto could, you know, is struggling, but at the end of the year, I, I highly suspect them to be involved in the playoff push. This could be very easily a team that the Angels are competing for for a wild card spot down the line in, you know, obviously August and September. So taking advantage of some of the head to head victories now will be huge. So, again, Toronto Blue Jays isn't a team that's necessarily an easy team, walk in the park, a team to take lightly. I think this team is trying to find its footing and trying to find its offensive power. And when it does, you hope it's not against the angels. You hope it's down the line because when it, when it goes, it's going to pop and they're going to pop for some big runs. So I'm really, really excited for the series. I, I really am. So we'll see how this one plays out. And then obviously Memorial day angels are off the series after that in New York, they have three against New York. And I'll just talk a little bit about that real quick because the New York series, I will be out in New York to see the game. Hopefully, fingers crossed, all three games. I'm definitely at least going to pick up two of the three. But if you want to kind of follow our adventures, me and my wife's adventures out there, definitely follow us on our Halo underscore Haven social media page on Twitter and on Instagram. We'll be posting from the big city, posting from the game, videos, and, and all that stuff. Hopefully, hopefully, my phone gets better reception than it does in Angel Stadium. I don't know. If it's a me problem or if people out there have the same problem where I don't get I don't get reception at all around Angel Stadium. It just seems like a big cinder block, um, big cement bowl, and I'm not able to get reception anywhere except from until I'm walking out into the parking lot. So talking a little bit about Angel Stadium, a natural segue, of course, I 
didn't do that on purpose, but it all worked out. Obviously, you have listened. I'm guessing you've listened to the interview I did with Bill Shaken from the L.A. Times last week about the Angel Stadium um, selling the, uh, the property, buying the property, what's going to happen now, the whole court issue. I want to thank everyone that downloaded that podcast and listened to it because it is by far already the most downloaded episode in the last three months of the podcast and it's only been out less than a week so i want to thank everyone for out there downloading it 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 definitely did really really good numbers and i'm glad it was a topic that a lot of people had either questions about or were just curious about and i'm glad i was able to find something like that that a lot of people wanted to hear so kind of now piggybacking off of that and kind of pushing it forward a little bit the Anaheim uh, City Council had a meeting Tuesday night to discuss pulling out of the deal with the Angels. And unsurprisingly, I guess it depends on who you ask, but I wasn't surprised that they pulled out of the deal. And I think it was unanimously. And if you followed it, there was a couple of reporters. Bill was one of them. But there was a couple other reporters that were live tweeting it as it was going on. And it just seemed like the whole vibe of the room was they wanted to get out of the deal and wanted to move on from the deal. And that's exactly what happened. So it kind of seems like now the angels have three options. Um, talking about, you know, the podcast with Bill, something that he mentioned that I don't think anyone knew as part of the deal or not part of the deal, but because there was an agreement already set, something that was extra was the angels were able to get back into their lease. The one member they opted out in 2000 and oh, what was that? 17 or 18, which meant that their lease was going to run up after the 19th season or something like that. Well, because there was an agreement in hand or there was supposed to be the, the city allowed them to get back into that lease agreement. So the angels are still under the old lease agreement that they opted out. So technically the Angels are are going to be at Angel Stadium, I believe, until 2028, which is the next option for them to opt out after that. I mean, if they want to, and this is the crazy part about it, if they want to keep on opting into this lease that they currently have, they can be at Angel Stadium for like another 30 years. But I think what's going to happen is Artie Moreno and his people are definitely going to take the city to court to get that original deal. And I don't know if they're, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm pretty sure they're going to say that it was a done deal. You can't go back on it now. And I know it's this and that, but a, a, a done deal is a done deal kind of thing. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But that's one of the options. I think that's the more, more realistic option. Another option is they start um, looking for other places. So when 2028 comes around and they opt out, they have other places um, like Long Beach, Long Beach has already come out and said, come on over, have other places to go. And what Bill was saying too, is that, you know, the issue with Angel Stadium is buying the property that Angel Stadium sits on and the parking lots. Well, that's the same issue they're going to have in Long Beach is buying that land. And I'm pretty sure the land at Long Beach is going to be smaller and possibly even more expensive because of where they are on the water and, and going to be a very, I, I, Guarantee it's probably going to be a very nice stadium if they move out there, but it's going to be really expensive. 
And I don't know if the Angels are willing to spend that much money because it is going to be the Angels spending that money. I doubt that there are going to be any public funds that has to do with building an Angel Stadium in Long Beach. Or the third option is just rework the deal. The Anaheim City Council didn't like the way the deal was set. Maybe they sit down the negotiating table and say, okay, let's start from scratch and let's go there. That seems like maybe the second most reasonable option, but I do think there is going to be a court date soon or, or mentioned soon, and who knows when the actual court date will happen. But like Bill said in the interview, it's probably going to be some years before we as Angel fans have something to look forward to, whether it is a total renovation of Angel Stadium as it sits now or shovels in the ground to build a new stadium. But either way, it looks like it is going to be some time away. At this point, you're kind of hoping that it's going to be during the Mike Trout era. But the way Bill was talking and the way that I was, you know, the vibes I was getting from him, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. It does seem like whenever this situation unfolds, it's, it's you know, it's going to be uh, post Mike Trout. Maybe, you know, there's a killer uh, minor league player right now that we don't know about that's going to come up and, and perform really well. And he's going to reap the benefits of, of playing in a brand new stadium in Anaheim, but it doesn't look great for the stadium. It doesn't look great for the city or, or the angels for that matter. I think both, uh, both of them kind of have a little bit of egg on their face and hopefully it is something that can be worked out relatively smooth. I don't know if it's going to be quick, but hopefully it gets out, gets worked out pretty smoothly because there is a lot of moving parts in this agreement and we'll have to wait and see how this all works out. Cause I'm sure the city doesn't want to lose the angels. I mean, you look at the area around angel stadium already with the breweries and the apartments and condos or whatever. I'm sure they do not want that land to go to nothing. And, you know, quite honestly, other than Disneyland and, and, and the ducks, um, you don't have a draw to Anaheim and what kind of, what kind of, signal does this give the ducks that will eventually want to upgrade the pond or you know or maybe build a new stadium what what does that do do they start maybe looking for a new place to play also so a lot of questions a lot of things that need to be worked out that is going to take a lot of time and definitely more time than a season is going to have so i'm sure for as long as this podcast goes, this is always going to be a topic to to, to mention and kind of brush up on that is Angel Stadium and, and what happens next with that. So we'll have to wait and see. So like I mentioned, this is a little bit shorter than the other ones just because there's only a two-game set and the second game wasn't great. But do have a lot of good games for look to look forward with the Angels. A lot of good tests to look forward to with the Angels and the Yankees and Toronto and after that Philadelphia. So I will be out in New York for the New York Yankees series again. If you if anyone's out there for the game, whether it's someone flying from California to New York or maybe they are or maybe you're based out of the Northeast and are going to make the trip down to or up to Yankee Stadium from where you are at, hit me up. DMs are always open. Love to share a beer with you at the game. I uh, can't wait. It was so much fun traveling to a visiting team's stadium last year when I went up to Seattle. Uh, really looking forward to checking out Yankee Stadium and everything it has. And um, it's not old Yankee Stadium, not the historic Yankee Stadium. I think that would have been really cool for, to see before it tore it down. But um, anytime you're able to see another ballpark, a nice ballpark, it is 
I, I look forward to it. So come along for the ride again. Follow me on our social media stuff. I'll be posting a bunch of stuff on there. That's Halo underscore Haven on Twitter and on Instagram if you're not already. And then, of course, if you have any questions about the podcast, you can email us at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. That's allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, but yeah, thanks again for downloading that Bill Shaken interview. That interview was awesome. Now, if you if, if you haven't yet, please rate and su- rate and review the podcast. Five stars. Write a review. Uh, we really appreciate it. Helped grow this podcast out more and more as um, the season gets going. And obviously, the the season is a great one. And I want as many people along for the ride as. I can. So again, if you can rate and review it with Apple Podcasts, and then if you're using Spotify, if you can just rank us five stars, really appreciate it. And I, you know, obviously there's more baseball left, and I think there's plenty of baseball left that the Angels are going to be performing very well in, and just have to wait to get completely healthy, get uh, Austin Warren back, and I think you know once uh, Taylor Ward gets back and are able, we're able to kind of fill out this team whether it's a trade deadline or not uh calling guys up it's gonna be fun and that reminds me next episode coming out there will be an episode out coming out monday on memorial day it's gonna be different because i'm gonna record it on the weekend i am going to talk to rhett bollinger mlb.com writer for the angels i talked to him a little bit before the season i think in the beginning of spring training i'm gonna talk to him we're about two months into this season now i want to know what his feel is for the team. He's around the team all the time in the locker room, in the dugout, but um, before the game, talking to guys on the road and all that stuff. So again, if you have any questions for red and you have a certain topic that you might want me to mention to him, uh, slide into the DMS or email us. Uh, you know, if it's a good topic, I have no problem bringing it up and seeing what he has to say, say about it. So definitely do that that will come out monday this will it will be recorded saturday and will come out monday so definitely get in your questions now so really looking forward to that really looking forward to the trip to new york it's gonna be a busy week for me but wouldn't have it any other way so i am Dan garcia and this has been another edition of the all angels VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. 
But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.